0: I have to make an official announcement. Okay. Now that I'm back behind the microphone, it's a bunch of jerks. When I was uh, <laughs> feeling my worst, had my worst case of the Mondays ever, and missed a few episodes, I get roasted. So now is the time for an official apology from all of you.
1: We've got to kick you while you're
0: down, Ben. <laughs> I'm not sorry. You're not sorry. Neither are you. No, sorry. Hey, I'm... we're back in the podcast studio for another incredible episode. Let me just, since Chase doesn't have a microphone, let me just do a little chase. What's up, everybody? <laughs> All right. Put that out there. So we got an interesting topic today that actually weaves in with uh, what's been going on at the box. And a lot of people participated in it. We're going to break it down. And also the part I'm the most interested in is talking about where do we go from here? Because that's where a lot of people stumble. Talking about the Beach Body Challenge. So how do we get started with this, gentlemen?
1: I guess we could just talk about what it was. Uh, the Beach Body Challenge is something we've done in the last five or six years, I guess. I don't know um kind of just a diet challenge trying to use it as an opportunity to educate uh help people uh learn about you know what they should be eating how much all that type of stuff um we've never been a big fan of like diet challenges that encourage you to lose a whole bunch of weight in a short period of time because usually if you're doing that you're probably going to put it you know right back on maybe even more and you probably do it very unhealthily um so the way we approach it is trying to Uh, get people to develop the habits that they can, that are going to help them, yeah, lose weight and and put on muscle, but continue uh, doing so well after the uh, the challenges are with. So the goal isn't necessarily to lose the most weight. The goal is to develop habits that are going to, uh, lead you to be consistent, and at the beginning of it, we tell people our goal is for you not to have to do the beach body challenge next year because you've already uh, got your beach body, and you're you're you know you're confident in in your body all year round, and you you know what you need to do to uh, to you know get what you want to do as far as your health and fitness. So let's, I think that's kind of kind of the, the overview of it, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I
0: get it. I get it. So let's talk about if um, what you're putting out there is like, because we have to say in the in the culture of, of fitness, you know, rapid weight loss is what sells. And I really appreciated y'all's answer uh, in the Q&A episode. Like, hey, this has to be sustainable. If it's not sustainable, then why are you wasting your time? If you can't adapt the way you're uh, going about nutrition or physical fitness to where you can do it for the rest of your life. It's temporary. Don't waste your time. So what are, inside of the Coyote Fitness Body Challenge, what are the metrics? What are you guys as coaches looking for to count it as successful?
1: So what we looked at, um, we gave them a, uh, a list of habits that we, uh, we wanted them to uh, acquire and try to do every day. Uh, it was drinking 100 ounces of water every day, uh, tracking their food every day, uh, hitting their macros, which they set up on MyFitnessPal every day within, I think, 5% accuracy on that. Uh, some form of exercise every day for 30 minutes. So that could be, uh, if you come to the gym, obviously that would count. Or, you know, if it's a Sunday, you just go for a walk with your kids or something like that. Or walk the dog or take a bike ride. Just something to move move around every day. And then... Uh, training four days a week so coming to the gym four days a week and we talk about that all the time how we want people coming at least four days a week so those were the habits that we we wanted them to to hit and we wanted them to do it every single day at every day that they did a habit they got a point and so they had a little scorecard that they kept up with the six weeks to to help them accumulate accumulate points so that was uh one of the metrics was how many points they got over six weeks with the goal of that being them to de- you know develop you know it takes around 30 days to develop a habit so if they did it every day for six weeks that hopefully that they would have developed a habit to be able to continue doing that after after the the, the thing is over with uh, then we also did a body fat scan on the in body forum at the beginning and then we uh, scanned them again at the end of the six weeks and we measured their not their weight loss uh, but their body fat pounds lost and their muscle pounds gained so uh, if you're trying to lose weight it's easy to just lose a whole lot of weight and also lose a whole lot of muscle just by cutting your calories way back, which is how most people do it. But then you haven't really changed your body makeup. You've actually lost muscle, which is very important for your metabolism and for your health. Then uh, you put it all back on and you just put on fat and you don't put the muscle back on because you have to work out to put the muscle back on. So if you do that yo-yo thing, your body's actually in worse shape uh, than it was before. So we wanted people to uh, lose Body fat, and without sacrificing the muscle, so that's where actually hitting your numbers correctly and making sure you get enough protein, where that comes into play. Uh, so those were the three metrics we tracked. Um, so you know theoretically, or in body fat percent. So it was so, you know total body fat percent. So uh, that if you do it correctly, you know you, theoretically you could not lose a pound. And win the challenge because you lost a whole lot of body fat and put on a whole lot of muscle. If that makes sense, so we did, we we weren't just we want to get away from just looking at the scale and, and dig deeper into what what's actually going on in their body.
0: So with the, your description there, I'm just I'm thinking back to a lot of the things that we've discussed here on in multiple episodes. But the idea is people need to be retrained. Almost all of us need to be retrained on w- what a successful metric is and looking at a more complete picture the thing that interests me is in calling it the beach body challenge the motivation is obviously with that name hey let's let's look good at the beach let's look good at, good at the pool in a swimsuit you know and uh well let's not get into the yetis and beers that people are probably having <laughs> the, the yetis full of beer at the pool um but in order to get there we want to have a little bit of confidence so i'll throw this to, to you caleb here this question uh, have you seen your time by the way congratulations celebrating a huge uh, anniversary uh, as a coach inside of the organization, congratulations to, to that. So
2: yeah, one year,
0: one year, twenty seven, seventeen. Yeah, I lost twenty dollars on that bet, but we'll I'll make that <laughs> up. Um, dull yeah. or nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so as a coach, just interesting to get your take on this. Do you find that even once people are educated, even if they have a let's call it a, a surface level or maybe even poor motivation? to enter into something like this, that it's, it's actually good for them. No matter what the reason is they jump into this thing, the things that they learn are, are incredibly valuable and you see a shift in these athletes.
2: Uh, yeah, so one of the things that is real important that we try to communicate to people at this point um, is understanding that there's not failure. Sometimes just wording it as a, a challenge or something, it kind of puts the potential out there for you to fail and so one of the things that we want to communicate to everyone is that what we're doing, the purpose of doing a six week challenge is to create, again, metrics that give you feedback so that we can either continue on that path or make small adjustments. But we can't we're not going to fail it. You can't fail the Beachbody challenge. And so, you know, that's one thing that I think we want to really make sure that people understand so that it can encourage them and understand that, hey, so it didn't go exactly how I wanted it or it went great. These are just markers of feedback and that's what I told our clients is we have eight segments of a beach body challenge and more within a year. So if it didn't go perfectly or you remained exactly the same, all that means is that gave us a lot of feedback, all of those markers that we paid attention to, we've got a lot of data points for you individually to say, "Hey, you know, these are some things. Now I can tweak this a little bit and give it another 6 weeks. And if that didn't work, I can do it again." We tell people it's like you're a scientist and every time, you know, the room blows up or the reaction isn't what you wanted, that means you you can take a step in the right direction because you know what doesn't work. You know, I didn't, I got my seven hours of sleep, seven to nine hours of sleep one time a week for six weeks. I know that not sleeping doesn't work for reaching my, my goal. So that's just one example of saying, hey, there's no failure in this. We're just getting points of feedback so that we can make small adjustments and continue this for the rest of my life.
1: Yeah, not only is it eight segments, six-week segments in a year, but there's however many segments in a lifetime. And so trying to take the long look at it where, hey, you know, the average person lives to be like 75 years old, not get so worried about what happens in the six-week period, but using it as a tool that's going to teach you things that that are going to help you be healthy for the rest of your life. And that's the way we want to look at it is teaching people healthy habits and showing them the things that if they do them consistently over time is going to help them be healthier and, you know, fitter and and do whatever they want to with their body, whether they're trying to gain weight or lose weight whatever, giving them the tools to be able to do that and stay that way for a long period of time. And instead of just constantly, you know, crash dieting and then letting yourself go for two years and then crash dieting again and let yourself go, figuring out the tools that you need to, to follow so that you can get to where you want to be and stay there consistently for a very, very long period of time.
0: That's one thing I haven't thought about with you guys uh, saying the, the reset every six weeks. How many people do you see that get involved in their fitness journey and things just kind of come off the rails because of whatever reason? Usually it's either uh, business or family, something like that. Uh, to be able to view it, to create this habit of, well, that, was, that happened during a six-week cycle. Now I've got a chance every six weeks to kind of reset. How, how much more quickly would people enter back into the gym? if, like, all right, it came off the rails for about six weeks, but I'm going to get back in there, make the next six weeks be a little different.
1: Yeah, you don't even have to wait. You can reset next meal. If you have a bad meal, all right, that's okay. next Next meal, I'm going to reset. Or I didn't work out yesterday. Okay, I'm going to reset today. And so teaching people a way to uh, just making it a lifestyle to get out and exercise. Say you go through times that you can't go to the gym. We'll still find a way to get 30 minutes of exercise in a day or maybe 20 or 10. That's better than not doing anything. I think so many people, they get busy and they'll just completely cut out the gym for six months or three months or whatever. And then they come back and they're starting over and they, it takes them three or four months to get back to where they were, where if they would just, Of exercise for 10 minutes a day for those six months that they couldn't go to the gym, they could have been close to maintaining where they were. Um, So kind of developing just the habits and the lifestyle of, hey, this is just part of my life. This is who I am. I'm making health and fitness a priority and I'm doing these things every single day, no matter whether I'm getting to the gym or just going out for a bike ride in the park or uh, whatever, but making sure that, you know, I'm, I'm eating what I need to, or close to what I need to do, that I'm exercising, that I'm getting, you know, close enough sleep, that I'm drinking water, you know, all this stuff that we know is, is crucial for your health.
2: It's not a, and one of the things too, yeah, describing that, it's not an all or nothing thing. You know, your fitness and your health isn't all or nothing. None of us are a hundred percent on all the time, as far as fitness, how we want to be and how we want to eat, Well, e- easy. Right? well <laughs> most, with the, most with people, very, very few, mere exceptions. mortals. Yeah. Yes, that's right. <laughs> but it's not all or nothing. And that's the hardest thing to overcome. If we can get used to the fact that it's not going to be perfect, it's not all or nothing. Like Hunter said, you can start tomorrow. It's okay. Um, if you go on vacation, it doesn't mean you're either on your diet or you're completely off your diet. You can take little steps and educate yourself on ways to uh, minimize that going off the rails and just completely leaving. A lot of times in the gym, it's one of those things where injuries, a lot of times are an all or nothing thing. Oh, I'm feeling, you know, I'm feeling a little bit of pain or, you know, you have something going on and people are just like, okay, I'm just going to stay out of the gym for four to six weeks and then I'll get back 100% when we encourage people to come in and do what you can do, right? It's the same with your food. It doesn't have to be I'm 100% tracking every single thing that goes into my mouth every day. It can be, you know what, I'm going to make an intentional effort to to eat a little slower today. Or And there's all these different techniques and things that we can help encourage people with to say it doesn't have to be this perfect art. It can be 60% consistency. It's just not completely giving up on it. What you guys are saying, and I, I
0: think this is something we should start calling out a little bit more because it's actually surrounded with uh, with a lot of controversy, but a lot of it is what we've been taught as a society. Um, you know, like we have to, if we're going to be fit, we have to operate at an extreme calorie deficit. I mean, that's that's just pick up a magazine, open up a website, you know, crash that, that sort of stuff. So kind of the american way it's all you're you're all in or all out yeah Yeah, which usually means all out yeah (laughs) all in for a short period of time and then Uh, all out out. the other thing that i think we should call out is we have a huge portion of the medical community and i've seen this over and over again in my own story and in my family the prescription for injury is to be sedentary for weeks at a time yes hey you need to lay off this for six weeks or hey i would take three months and really let this heal and you know that's just what we've been fed by the medical community and i guess it's because it's what they were taught I'm not trying to say they're malicious in their intent. Well, no, they're, they're, I think a
3: lot of them, they just, they're not, um, they're not professionals in, uh, you know, they're professionals in health. But I mean, like if you just go see your general, you know, physician and you tell them, oh, I hurt my back. Oh, well, just rest for six weeks. They got to tell you that, you know, just to make sure that they're covering themselves and, yeah. you know. It's, uh, That's the it's CYA safe, plan. It's a safe. It's a safe thing to say. Yeah. You know, when the best thing you could really probably do is steadily increase your range of motion, get blood flow to the affected area. You know, they tell them to if they would tell them, you know, go go get massages, go you know work on uh, work on it with a lacrosse ball, try to stretch and move around a little bit more every day. Yeah. You know, it would bring it get them on the path of healing uh, a lot faster.
1: Yeah, getting, getting blood tangent, flow is going to make you heal a lot faster than then not doing anything, sitting around, you're not going to heal very fast. And then also taking that as an opportunity to maybe I can work on something else that I haven't been working on. Yeah. Um, like, say, for example, say you have an elbow pain. Well, I'm just going to train my legs for a while. Or I'm going to run for a while. I'm going to work on, on my endurance for a while, you know, using that as an opportunity. And, and if it's part of your life and it's part of your lifestyle, then that's not that big of an ass to say okay this is bothering me i'm just going to work around it but if you're just an all in all out type mentality then you're just going to say well i can't do everything i want to do so i'm not going to do anything i'm sorry like, i feel like i got us off on a tangent oh uh, that's all right
3: <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, and, and i think what what the the great thing about the way that uh the way hunter designed this uh this challenge because we, we 've tweaked things and changed things every year, and I finally feel like now we have something uh, something that I think we can or a model that we can build off of going forward because now we actually have ammunition when uh, when people you know want to want to get into that uh, that kind of mentality this all in all out mentality we can show them data because even the the people the people at Coyote, you know, we just ran the numbers. Uh, just ran the numbers this week. The people that you know did awesome. You know, probably the the top three in the gym. They were absolutely not hitting one hundred percent every week. You know, mm-hmm. not even a not, uh, not even close. Like what was the what was the maximal point total that you could get?
2: Uh, what was it? F- Thirty five and six. 42, I think. Quick 42. break. We're going to do
3: some math here. Yeah. 42 a week, yeah. Yeah, the, the, ones, the ones that were doing the best were hitting like probably like 65,
1: 70%. Yeah. And nobody's ever going to be perfect. Right? Yeah. Even even you go look at Matt Fraser, and he's not going to be perfect every single day. And I don't think it's healthy to be perfect every single day. You know, you need to have a little bit of slack, like 100% uh, eating 100% clean, 100% of the time is not going to be healthy either for your body or for your your psychological state you need to have those those relaxation points in your thing but it's it's that general trend over a long period of time and taking the long approach well, if I do this consistently over a year, five years, ten years, where am I going to be? You know, we're the sum of our habits. You know, you look at yourself, and you're the sum of the habits you've developed in the past. And you can change those, but you have to. It's hard to undo bad habits, and it's hard to create good habits. But if you put the intentional work in over a period of time, is what is what we're trying to get people to do. Maybe they can change those bad habits from maybe instead of you know going to Uh, fast food restaurant every day after school maybe they start going to the gym every day after school well in six weeks you might notice a little bit of difference but in six years you know that's a completely different person and you the same thing goes for on a Sunday afternoon if you start going for a walk every Sunday afternoon for six weeks yeah you might notice a little bit but in six years like it's going to be a completely different person. You know, think of how much weight you could lose, you know, how much healthier you could be just by adding that one habit in. So we're trying to say, what habits can we have uh, our athletes develop that are going to have an impact over their life in a really long period of time?
2: I was, uh, Precision Nutrition put out this uh, post on social media last week, and they were talking about all the data from the thousands of clients that they have and that their coaches have, and they... They basically put a scale up and showed you know all the different metrics that we were using body fat percentage inches lost um body fat pounds lost and it was a graph showing what 10 to 50 percent consistency what results that yielded and then 50 to 60 percent and then 60 to 80 and then 80 to 100 percent and it was amazing how high the numbers of just being 10 to 50 percent consistent yielded in all of those things. Most people, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that do have goals of, I want to lose 50 pounds, but a lot of people, um, you know, especially if they've been a while in their fitness journey, they may say, I want to lose six pounds or I want to lose 10, 12 pounds, something like that. And it's amazing what 50% consistency over time with these thousands of data points showed that they were able to do that. It's not a, it doesn't have to be a hundred percent. And I think that's just the biggest encouragement that people need to know and say, yeah. you don't have to be a hundred percent. If you have to go to Waffle House with your family, cause that's what you do on a certain holiday, then go, just don't go all in, right? Make one decision every day. And don't beat yourself up about yeah. it. And relax. Yeah. There's a lot to be said about your attitude and mindset and not being so stressed about weight loss that can hinder your weight loss. Pat, Pat
1: Sherwood said, uh, "Don't be the guy who won't eat a piece of cake at his kid's birthday party. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. don't, don't be, that guy. Don't be yeah. that guy. I've seen, I've been around that guy.
0: Yeah, yeah. that that stressed me out. Made yeah. me eat more cake. Like I'm gonna eat your piece. So, <laughs> yeah. one thing I will say that this, this is bringing up, I think, is really great for us to talk about because the three of you, you three men, are really, really good at this, and I think um, most people would benefit from hearing your mentality on this." At its base, what we're talking about with this Beach Body Challenge is using environmental cues. I mean, first week going to the beach, this is an annual thing. The Beach Body Challenge comes around once a year. Uh, we've talked a lot about this where you mentioned the word holidays. We have these cues around holidays that just make us fall into these patterns. What do you guys do in your own personal journey? Because uh, you guys are living basically the, you've committed in your life to live this Beach Body Challenge sort of lifestyle on a, on a really consistent basis what do you do to make sure that your environment is, is giving you these cues to do the right things with these, these decisions? Because a lot of us, the average athlete, uh, we struggle with this. You know, Let's take a very standard cue. I'm at the baseball field with my son. I'm going to have the hot dog and the snow cone. So we have all these cues that, that combat. You all have done a lot of work to get the right uh, sort of cues into your life. Could you give us a little bit of guidance on what that's like? Because so I'm transitioning now into the part of the conversations like, well, the challenge is over. What now? You know, how do, how do I keep this rolling?
1: I uh, For me, uh, I'll give two examples. If, if Say I'm going the baseball field example. Say I know I'm going to go to a baseball game and I'm, I don't want to, you know, I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm going to have nachos or whatever, pizza, while I make sure and eat uh, cleaner early on in the day or eat fewer calories. Maybe I'll have a salad or something cause I know like, Hey, I'm going to be eating a lot of calories later on today. So I'm going to eat leaner today, a high protein meal, because I know I'm not going to be able to get a whole lot of protein for me. I'm always, if, if I can control anything, I make sure I can control. I don't eat too many calories and I try to make sure I get enough protein, uh, no matter how much i am eating. So, uh, I'm going to look ahead and say, all right, I'm going to eat a lot. At this, I'm going to this party later. I'm going to eat a light, light calorie meal, high protein meal uh, today. Uh, in the Thanksgiving or Christmas example, it's going to be um, say I know Thanksgiving's coming up. I might do do some extra working out or some extra strength stuff because I know I'm going to be eating a lot just to prepare for that. And same thing, eat eat less leading up to those things, and then say I go to a party and I eat a whole lot of food. Well, the next day I'm going to I'm, I'm you know, just probably out of necessity because I'm full, I'll probably fast until lunchtime just because I don't feel like eating anything and just to get my calorie balance down. And I don't look at it on a day-to-day basis. I look at it more on a week-to-week basis. If my calories are balanced over the week, then I'm over, you know, over a period of time, I'm not going to uh, put on unnecessary weight. And so if I let myself go for a couple of days, I know I need to tighten the reins back up for a few days. And also if I eat bad for a day or two, I'm just going to feel so bad that I'm not going to want to eat uh, bad. I'm wa- going to want to get a whole lot of vegetables because it's going to help me feel better. I'm going to drink a lot of extra water, um, make sure I'm getting my protein in. Um, so kind of just u- using that, not beating myself up over. And I don't, I don't. Feel bad at all about going to a party and eating food because I'm going to enjoy myself and I live my life and I'm not trying to make it to the CrossFit Games and so um, that's not a priority for me. So I can have a lot more leniency with my diet, uh, but just knowing like, hey, I need to make sure I counterbalance this these cheat meals or these meals where I eat a whole lot with some lesser lighter meals or even fasting a meal because I ate 3,000 calories at this meal and just think of it more over the long term and trying to make sure I'm in a calorie balance and make sure I'm getting enough protein um, over the long term.
3: I'll I'll do... uh... I'll do the same, uh, the same deal. Like, uh, I'll, I'll give you an example for, uh, for tonight, me and, uh, uh, me and Katie are going out to eat for our, uh, for our anniversary. We're going to go to a steakhouse. And so hey. you know, la yeah, la. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm going hard, man. Yeah. Going hard in the paint tonight. So I'll where probably, are you going? We're going to Kessler. Oh, yeah, nice. thanks so for the invite. You, <laughs> we got a gift card. <laughs> 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 so, uh, so we're gonna, we're gonna go out there and, uh, yeah, you know, I'm going to, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go enjoy myself and, uh, probably, you know, tomorrow, uh, Saturday is uh, typically just a big family day for us, or we try to make sure that we're spending time with the family and doing stuff with Kennedy and stuff like that, so I don't, I do not plan on, uh, on actually going to the gym and getting a workout in, so I'll, I'll typically in those kind of situations do what Hunter was talking about. I'll probably fast for that breakfast. If, it, if anything, I'll have a protein shake just to kind of, um, curve my hunger a little bit until lunch, just, uh, just to keep balance. I know I don't need those, uh. I don't need those calories in the morning because I know I'm not going to do any kind of strenuous exercising.
0: Yeah. So you guys are talking about um, stepping back and looking at what the environment's going to bring to you just naturally, what rhythms you're in, and making some accommodations for that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's not something that I, like, have intentionally done. It's just something that just comes naturally, I guess, just over... I guess with all the working out I've done over the years and training and eating and tracking my food, um, I just have developed such an awareness of what I've eaten and what I'm going to eat and how much I've worked out and how much I'm going to work out. And so I kind of n- n- know when I'm getting off kilter and I know what to do to bring it back. And, you know, for working out, like say, I know, Hey, I'm about to travel. I'm going to be traveling for a couple of days. I'm not gonna be able to do anything. A lot of times I'll do a whole lot of working out right before I leave just to make myself really tired and beat down because I know I'm not gonna be able to work out for a few days. Um, and I don't, I won't feel like working out cause I'll be sore and I'll be doing other things, but I don't know. It's, I guess it's just kind of become intuitive over the years of, of planning for, for what's coming. And then also feeling like, man, I, I feel off. I feel sluggish. I feel like I hadn't worked out a lot. I feel like I hadn't eaten good. Let me get back on track. Cause I don't want to feel bad.
3: I think a big thing that you said is just the, uh the amount of practice that you have and the awareness that that it's created, I'd be willing to bet if we took if we took my fitness pal away from you for uh, for a day, that you could probably just in your head probably calc- uh, probably calculate the calories and uh, and your macros probably within cl- uh, close to ten percent. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. There's no doubt about that. I can, uh, you know, just over the years of doing it. And there was a great example. I don't know if y'all listen to this, uh, the Brute Strength podcast. He was interviewing. Um, Dr. Galpin, we talked yeah, about yeah. that, the, mm-hmm. the, the cook, chef, yeah. uh, what, were, what were the three things he baker Baker,
3: the, 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 the baker and the chef. Yeah, yeah. Um, and
1: he, he used that as an example of uh, people with their diet, and he said that there needs to be uh, a time when you are tracking, weighing and measuring your food for a significant amount of time. He, um, he was given like he was given the
3: example of like when you're baking, everything has to be precise. Exactly. Yeah. If you're yeah. baking a cake and something is just a little off, it's just going to be mush in a pan. But if you're if you're cooking, if you're a chef, you know, oh, add a little dash of that, a little bit of this, mm. and it can and it can still end up really good.
1: And yeah. so he he used that analogy for food, and he was saying like you need to have that time where you're very precise with your food, where you're weighing and measuring, looking at everything you're eating, tracking it so you develop the awareness of food and macronutrients and micronutrients and all that type of stuff so that once you get past that you don't have to be so particular because you develop a feel for the food and I think because of all the years that I've spent weighing and measuring and tracking now I can intuitively just look at food and have an idea of what's in food how much I've eaten for the day what I need to get now it's not going to be exact but it's going to be within 80 to 90% accuracy and I can stay that way for a really long period of time, there's no doubt in my mind that if I never track my food again for the rest of my life, I would still have a a good idea and know what I needed to do as far as if I'm putting on too much weight or if I'm trying to lose weight, how much I need to eat. It's not going to be exactly perfect, but it would get me close enough to where I'm trying to get to. And so I think when you take the time to learn about food and, and what makes up food, that's going to set you up for success and in a long period of time. It's going to teach you something that you can use for the rest of your life.
0: So Caleb, I've seen you um, set up rowers in the gym for a while. <laughs> uh, so I, kn- yeah, I, know I know you're, how you're how a very going... particular man. <laughs> yeah. So uh, my question for you is uh, for, for the average person, for the average person who's participated in this sort of challenge or is thinking about initiating that challenge for themselves, uh, which we could talk about that in just a minute. Where, how do you find that line of that? All right, I'm going to relax enough to make this sustainable, but I'm going to stay in the game enough to make sure that I don't just check out. Like, how do you find that balance?
2: That's the hardest. That's been the hardest thing for me being fairly new at this too, and having zero nutritional awareness for the first 25 years of my life. Um, I think one of the things that I tend to do that even in talking with the Beachbody crew that we had uh, out at our gym, um, a lot of people get more stressed about hitting numbers and things and end up like under eating and not eating enough to have energy for whatever the day has and especially a workout. And so that was me for a long time was I got so caught up in trying to be efficient and getting everything in and making sure that I was not eating bad foods that I was under eating. I wasn't eating enough. And so one of the things that I've had to do on vacation is realize, and I'll talk about vacation more so than just like a special meal. You know, you go, it's summertime. A lot of people are going to go to the beach for a week. I would go for five days and be so worried about not, and stressed about not having the donuts for breakfast and not having the, you know, the pie or whatever it is for dinner, that I would not eat enough because typically you got to fight really hard if people around you don't eat as much protein or aren't, aren't used to a lifestyle of eating your body weight and grams of protein in a day. That's very uncommon for my family. I mean, that would be a big lifestyle change. So, um, I was under eating protein. I was under eating everything. And so... Because of that, I've had to learn to relax a little bit and not get so stressed about it because I would come back from a trip and instead of being rested and rejuvenated, I'd under-eaten, I didn't have as much energy, and so it kind of backfired a little bit. So like an example, a couple weeks ago, we went on a short little four-day trip to the beach and and I posted about this. My one goal was not food-related at all. It was to drink enough water, like to stay hydrated. And so that was my goal for the trip. At the beach, you're out in the sun. We're out at the pool, whatever. It's very easy to get dehydrated. And so I was thinking, you know, I'm just going to focus on this. It'll be really easy. So I'd ordered a little vitamin C and some vitamin, mineral, uh, electrolyte uh, mix. And so I just, like, decided, hey, I'm going to do this. And put it in your margarita. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So put it in the beer. Put it in my Camelback. Yeah. Yeah. I put water in my vodka. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, if that's the case, then go for it. But I really just said, Hey, I'm going to try to do this and stay hydrated. It was a very simple thing. It was much more relaxing. And I came back with a lot of energy first workout, coming back, felt great. Um, And so that's something that over the last couple of years I've probably learned is, uh, is that just as important as not going way on the other end, people like me who are a little, little OCD and have a little bit of that very close attention to detail can almost stress yourself out and and you don't enjoy the time with family or the birthday party or the you know the the holiday that's always a really difficult
3: conversation to have with uh with clients i know i've had to have that several times where they're getting ready to go on vacation and you know maybe we've had them you know working on them for a couple weeks couple months on really trying to build their awareness on food and stuff like that they're like okay we're going vacation i'm gonna try really hard to uh to stay with my diet and, you know, and sometimes, especially if they've, been, if they've been on this for a long time, you know, if they've been tracking it for months, I'll just tell them, why? Go yeah.
0: enjoy it. Enjoy yourself, yeah. You built up a good
3: base. You put in, you know, three solid months of hard work. Uh, a week is not going to just absolutely derail you. And if somebody, you know, if, if, if it's a, I guess it's a conversation you got to kind of have uh, with your client and, your, and uh, if it's you yourself on the front end, Okay, I'm going on vacation in a week and a half. This probably isn't the, the best time for me to really start, you know, hunkering down and going all in mm-hmm. with, uh, with trying to make a, everything as perfect as possible.
2: It's old Jocko. Uh, discipline equals freedom. We talked about that. With if you're disciplined during the year and you make the choice not to have a donut on a regular old Tuesday morning, and you make that a lifestyle, then when you do go to the beach and it's, you know coffee and donuts and you're with your family and it's vacation, you're going to have the freedom to do that because, and you're not going to stress and you're going to enjoy it. But if you're constantly stressing in the day to day and having trouble kind of getting over the hump and being disciplined, then you're not going to be able to enjoy the time when you could just relax a little bit. And so it all, it all kind of starts to, to fall together. If you can be disciplined, then all of a sudden you get to have a little bit more freedom and it doesn't cost you as much.
1: Yeah. Once you develop the confidence and the knowledge to be able to make the changes uh in yourself that you know you need to make it's really easy to be able to go on a vacation and not worry about it because you know hey when i get back i know what i need to do and i'll do it to get back to where, where i want to be this is this is a week's a week setback in a lifetime of health and fitness journey and so this is really not that big a deal at all
0: yeah i love the personal empowerment that we're putting out there for each athlete to be able to assign what's my goal what am i going to focus on and in that way this can translate and you can take Beach out of there and just say, this is a body challenge. I'm gonna figure out what my challenge is over, over the next six weeks. I know for me, just briefly, just as a very average guy that goes into CrossFit on a pretty regular basis, when I'm heading out of town, I have the drop-in strategy because it keeps me accountable. I, and I love going to uh, a new CrossFit gym and trying to figure out like, okay, how do I stack up <laughs> against the average people down here in Florida or, or in North Carolina? And then also it helps me develop a much stronger appreciation for the the gym that we have, the environment that we have where we are. So it serves as a lot of different things. I know if I'm going to go drop in at 3.30 in the afternoon, I'm going to be a a little bit more uh, conscious of what I'm doing throughout that morning before I go in there because I don't want to embarrass myself in front of a bunch of strangers. Not that they care. Uh, But then also it's going to help motivate me when I get back. I'm going to think, man, most likely, that was a great experience when I dropped in, but I really love the environment I've got back home. And I, you know, I don't wanna neglect that when I get back there. So you know, it costs you, it also costs you a little bit of money. For me, um, money's a great motivator. So if I've gotten online and said, all right, I'm gonna be at this place and paid that drop-in fee, if I'm sitting out at the beach and I'm like, all right, I gotta roll in, because I gotta to go to this thing. I paid 20-something bucks to be there. I'm not gonna blow it off. So mm-hmm. everybody's gotta kind of develop their own things, but what's been encouraging for us, I think you guys would say yes is that we've had people opting into this challenge every year and learning something and advancing their fitness journey. So I think I'd like to encourage the next time it rolls around, one of the misconceptions is you have to be new at CrossFit to benefit from this, uh, which is a total lie. I mean, you know, even advanced athletes need community um, uh, in their challenges and among their goals, you know?
1: Yeah, definitely. And let's just talk a little bit about the results that we saw because we kind of tallied it up. Um, I think we had... 50 to 60 people between the three gyms uh that competed in it and in the six week period i think on average what were we seeing about two to three percent body body percent uh, body fat percent decrease is that mm-hmm. right something mm-hmm. that you guys saw um so that's anywhere
3: which is a big number if you if you've never you know measured body fat percentage and uh and um seeing those, uh, seeing those kind of results that over six weeks is a really, really good number to hit.
1: Yeah, that's huge. I mean, if you, you extrapolated that out over, you know, three or four, six week periods and all of a sudden you're down eight to 10% body fat. Um, that's, that's insane, you know, in, in only, you know, three or four months. Um, I think, so that's, you know, on average losing what, like four or five pounds of body fat, um, like pure pure fat pounds in 6 weeks so almost a pound of body fat a week gained on average i think one to 2 pounds of muscle i think some of the biggest uh biggest losers were up to 12 or 13 pounds of body fat i think was the biggest that we yeah. saw which is wow. incredible <laughs> in yeah. 6 weeks in 6 weeks yeah, yeah that's and so that's like almost 2 pounds of body body fat like pure fat pounds um lost in 6 weeks and then gained I think what was it 6 or 7 pounds of muscle something like that.
2: The difference in losing weight and losing body fat is drastic. And that's the biggest thing that is is uh, about this is that it's we're not measuring weight because we had people who we were going to have to do some major adjustments and they lost weight, right? When you lose when you put on 2 pounds of muscle and lose 9 pounds of body fat, that is a sustainable long-term you are going to look different people are going to see if you lose 4 pounds of body fat just our average you know one of our average clients in this 6 weeks your your clothes are fitting different you know it's a it's changing what you look like more than that more than just you know dehydrating yourself for 6 weeks
1: yeah and we posted some before and after pictures of some of the people and just in 6 weeks it's amazing how how much of a difference that made. I mean, you can Google what one pound of fat looks like and imagine losing 12 of those in six weeks. I mean, like, that's going to completely change how you look. Uh, But it, I mean, that's just, that's a testament to the people's uh, dedication and the work that they're willing to put into it and the buy-in that they gave uh, into the program. And it just shows you, like, if you're willing to put the work in to develop the habits, like, like you said, it doesn't have to be perfect. I mean, this is 60, 70%, you know, uh application rate so they're still thirty percent of the time not hitting it right but just in sixty seven percent of of putting in the work you're getting incredible incredible results so uh it was it was really cool. I think we had some questions too that that some people wanted to wanted answered uh that took part in the challenge uh Caleb that, that that you wrote down.
2: Yeah so um couple questions. One of them was just based off of uh People thinking about performance, what is your best pre-workout, pre-competition food? How do we adjust our normal day-to-day for before a workout or before a competition, something that's special? Um, And so my encouragement, I'll start and you guys can chime in. Um, The biggest thing we want to do is realize that, one, there's not a magic food right before your competition that's going to help you perform. It's going to be what you do in the months and weeks, just day-to-day. Outside of C4. League. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was gonna Outside. say I always have a
0: Snickers on the way to, to the 3:30 class. Yeah, but that's one of just these me.
2: Stat nutrition loaded teas here. <laughs> me.
0: We're gonna uh, have to. We're gonna have to go out to, for these restaurants and. Yeah, we need to get some sponsors, and, yeah, yeah. Get yeah. Some
2: sponsors here. Yeah. Um, no. So eating what you, n- the the weeks and months leading up to competitions, if you have something, we had a lot of people in the beach body that were getting ready for uh, a half marathon, right, or some sort of event like that. Uh, if you're, you know, you want to build in consistency because it's going to be those weeks leading up to it that determine your success, um, doing what you normally do. So not trying to change things. Um, you know, don't go try the new Thai food before an event, right? The night before, don't do anything that's going to hinder your sleep. (laughs) You know, don't do anything that's going to hinder your sleep right before those kind of things are going to be what helps you more so than having like a magic special food that you're going to eat right before. Generally speaking, though, right, you've got a fuel for whichever, whatever type of exercise you're going to be doing for most people listening to this. And in that space, you're going to be needing to make sure that you you up your carbs. And right before your event, you probably don't want to go with a bunch of dairy and a bunch of peanut butter, you know, staying away from the dietary fat and upping the carbs, making sure you've got plenty of protein. Um, But, yeah, that was one. What are the best recovery methods? So, thinking on the other side, and maybe you guys want to chime in here. What's what have you seen as the best recovery method for uh, post competition, post race? Uh,
3: a big old pizza always helps me post <laughs> <Yeah>. post <post-caustic> competition. <laughs> the the big old pizza strategy, <laughs> making, making sure, calories. But um, yeah, making sure that you are uh, that you're replenishing your calories, and um, uh, you know. Uh, for you know, for for me, for me, recovery is a lot. is a lot psychological too. I know, like for me, post competition, the first thing that I want to do is is go find a, you know, good group of people that maybe that I actually competed with. Go go get something. Go get something good to eat and just hang out. And then also just really being on top of sleep post competition. Make sure that you're not uh, that you're not depriving your body of, uh, I mean, of its ability to recover by slowing everything down because you're not sleeping enough.
1: Yeah, I think eating a whole lot and resting a whole lot and probably waiting longer than you think you should to get back into training Yes, Uh, because I think the tendency is after competition you're fired up, you want to get on to the next one, but uh, depending on the competition and how many days it is, it takes a while to recover. Like I just did the Granite Games this past weekend and uh, a three-day competition, there were nine events, and every single event, it's not just the workout you're doing, it's the warm-up. Getting ready to go out there, the adrenaline pump, and you go out there, you go hard, you're you're going. you're you're putting adrenaline out, you're pushing yourself way harder than you would in the gym. Then you gotta come back down. Then you rest for a few hours, then you're up and down. Up and down like that over a three day period is extremely taxing. And my body wasn't even really that sore, but I was just so tired. Like I could, I could hardly keep my eyes open. And then you couple that with, you know, usually you don't sleep that well during competitions. You're just kind of nervous and you have trouble sleeping that night. You add that up plus the travel and all that type of stuff. Like I was planning on working out a lot this week, uh, starting, uh, maybe Tuesday. And I was just like, man, I can't, I can't work out this week. I'm gonna have to take the week off because I was just, my body has just been wrecked and I've been so tired. Um, and so just being aware of like, Hey, you are putting out a lot more when you compete than you realize, depending on what the competition is. And say you're doing a half marathon or something like that, you're putting out a lot. And you're going to have to put a lot back in for you to recover. So I would say making sure you're eating a lot of food, make sure you're getting a lot of rest, and make sure you wait longer than you think you should to get yeah. back into training.
3: Especially if it's a competition that you are, like, peaking for. Yeah. Like, if, you, uh, if you're if you wanting to if, – if you have a certain marathon, like, okay, this marathon, this day, this is when I want to run my absolute best time possible. You've put so much work in and trained to peak to there. You've got to have time where you come back down the mountain. And, um, you know, there is – you know, a couple of years where we uh, we had like two two big peaks in our in our competitive season. We wanted to do really really well in Pensacola. We wanted to do really well in the Open, and we uh, we would train really really hard leading up to Pensacola. And when we got done, you know, we would take a week and just tell people, you know, hey, come in, take. Take a take a class if you want to you know get under a bar of some very lightweight maybe or take the week completely off
1: yeah I, if somebody's doing something like that I tell them don't even I don't even want to see your face at the gym yeah for a week. I mean, go go rekindle yeah your love to train yeah if you if you get I and I made that mistake early on in my career was being fired up from regionals and I just get back and I want to get after and train in, but six months later all of a sudden you're just burned out and yeah. you have to build in those uh those times away from the gym where you rest, not just physically, but also, like you said, mentally, um, to make you, you need to get to where you're hungry to want to go in there and push yourself again.
2: Yeah. And I would say practice it if possible, try to do your best to, um, to set yourself up for practicing what it's going to be like. You know, you can't always... Uh, mimic like the nerves and the things like that beforehand, but do your best to have a run through or multiple run throughs throughout your training more times than not. If you're training for something, you're going to be training for a little bit more than what you're going to be expected to do to help balance that out. As you're doing that, pay attention to how you feel and how you recover during those times, because that's going to be, um, you know, that's going to be something where it's not going to be brand, a brand new feeling of what it's like to compete or to do four events in one day. Um, so if, if you can, if it's possible to, to mimic every possible scenario with what you're going to be expected to do in the competition, you know, if if you're going to be competing, especially multiple times in a year, just learn and pay attention to how you feel after each one. So each one, you get better and better at dialing in what you need to do to prep, what you need to do during the event to stay energized, and then how you can recover to where you're not out for two weeks or you don't jump right back into it. And three weeks later, you're like, Oh, I went a little. I came back into that too quick and now I don't really even care about, like I don't want to do these things that we really love to do. So our last question is a little bit more serious. How much ice cream is too much? I've been waiting on this question for over a year. There I'm is, so a, there is absolutely this. a tipping point. Ben, I don't know if anybody's more qualified to answer <laughs> this question. <laughs> I totally deserve that. Didn't you? I totally
0: deserve that. So, you know, I mean, it depends. Are you think you're a talking lot, about a lot Salsa, of it depends on flavor. <laughs> yes, yeah, flavor, flavor and variety. Variety. Are you, going, are you going dip cone? I mean, we're talking about, are we got toppings here? If like, it's
3: halo top, it's really hard to get too much in terms of amount and flavor.
0: Yeah, but not in terms of your bank account. <laughs> It's uh, incredibly expensive ice cream, which yeah. makes you feel like you should ration a little Not bit. worth it. But, uh, you know, how much ice cream is too much? This is a great question.
1: I think, you know, this applies to any, any say you have any type of favorite food uh, that you just don't want to give up. It's like, well, how often should I have it? And I think um, it depends on what your goals are, obviously. If you're really trying to lose a whole lot of weight... You know, the more cheats that you have, the slower your process is going to take. If you're okay with making slower process uh, progress over a long period of time, then then add it in a couple times a week or whatever. But
0: that it was Hunter's version of, hey man, sucks to suck. Uh, <laughs> no, mean, but, if you want to make slow progress, yeah, just eat
1: as much as you want. Just just be, you know, be, be uh, mindful of uh, every time that you have a cheat meal, um, it is setting you back a little bit, but there's a way to make progress while still having that over a long period of time. So maybe a good, a good thing for me always was when I was really trying to be strict was giving myself one meal a week where I'd eat whatever I want to. And it actually made me enjoy it more because I was looking forward to it, uh, throughout the week. And then knowing like, Hey, Saturday night, I'm going to have pizza and drink and, and, and drink whatever I want and, and eat ice cream. But knowing like, I'm going to try to p- fit that into my total calories for the day. So I'm going to eat fewer calories. Um, early on in the day, or maybe if I go over on Saturday, then I'm going to back, drop my calories back down on Sunday to make up for the difference and find, you know, finding a way to, to make that fit into your overall weekly, uh, caloric intake, I think is a great way to do it. But, you know, if you're having ice cream every single night, I don't think that's the, the best way to go. Um, just, but a, just figure, be aware of the more ice cream that you eat, the more impact that's going to have on everything else that you do.
0: Yeah, sorry. So let's hear from the uh, the expert, the ice cream expert over here. From Caleb, how much ice cream is too much?
2: Once again, just the messenger here. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think what Hunter said is important. The longer that you go making good choices, the more you're not going to feel like binge eating or the reward of being able to eat whatever you want. It's going. You're going to feel worse after. You're going to feel worse and worse the longer you... Are more disciplined, the worse you're gonna feel when you do decide to just go way over the top. So, what I try to tell people is if you're gonna eat something like that, don't feel guilty about it, commit to it, eat it, enjoy it, because a lot of times it has to do with the relationships and the people that you're with when you eat. Then, you know, some people maybe you're by yourself and you just go crazy on pizza and ice cream, but for most of us, it's a family thing or it's, you know, a treat. If you do that, just you don't have to eat all of it, you don't have to eat two of them whatever it is, right? So just maybe go and enjoy it and pay really close attention to how you feel. And when you start getting full, be okay with that. That a lot of times can be a huge difference. You know, that extra slice of pizza or what I've talked to people a lot about is this palate sensitivity thing where you go sweet, salty, sweet, salty, and you and you trick your brain into thinking that you can eat more because you've just switched that, that taste. You know, commit to something, Eat a little bit of it. Don't trick yourself and eat it real fast so you, you know you eat twice as much. You can still enjoy it without going way over the top. So that's just one little, you know, my perspective on an addition to what Hunter said.
0: I like it. I'll give you a pass on that answer. C plus. That's yeah,
2: okay. So, I don't know what your favorite kind of ice cream is, though. So. My favorite ice cream? Mm-hmm. Anything with cheesecake. So anything with cheesecake bites in it, like a cheesecake ice cream, strawberry cheesecake, blackberry, This my go-to. Even wow. fro-ya. I'm going straight to the cheesecake bites and, and throwing them in. Look at that. I'm pretty, I'm pretty simple. I like a bowl, a scoop, of, a
3: scoop of chocolate, and then a scoop of mint chocolate chip in there with it. You used to be able to go to like Cold Stone. They could like
0: mix it together for yeah. you. Yeah. That's what I like. Mint chocolate? I don't know. It just reminds me too much of toothpaste. What about you, Ben? I can't do it. Uh, I'm like a vanilla connoisseur. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, I get totally roasted for that. You, you enjoy boredom? Yes, exactly. What's the
2: best vanilla cone? Um, when the machine's working, McDonald's? Um, no, I'm going to stick
0: with Dairy Queen, but yeah. that's because of nostalgia.
2: I don't know that there's a better vanilla cone than Dairy Queen.
0: Yeah. You know the one thing that does piss me off is uh, when you go to Dairy Queen and you get a dip cone, which everybody needs to experience, and the person inside is, like, working at their pace, <laughs> and the freaking chocolate is already hardened by the time by they the hand time it to you. Get it, I'm yeah. like, I'm like, you go remake that, and you give me that chocolate it hadn't hardened yet, because that the first bite is supposed to be like, wow, you
1: know what I mean? Hunter, what about you? I, you know, I've, I like ice cream, and I like sweets, but I've always been more of like a salty type person, like pizza, chips is is what I really you are pretty salty really <laughs> really enjoy, and for ice cream, honestly, I've always liked sherbet the best, but people always make fun of me for getting sherbet, but like orange sherbet or raspberry, but. Uh, I just oh, I can go with that. That's my Sherbert. favorite taste. I we uh, feel like
2: I'm lactose intolerant. I don't know. Sherbet seemed to not mess with my stomach as much. I when I just get feel more fluent
3: when I'm
0: eating sherbet. When I yeah. get
3: Froyo, when, Kate, when uh, Katie was pregnant, that's what she wanted all the time.
1: Should Do the
2: sherbet and Sprite?
1: When I get a uh, no no, no. Uh, like the sherbet float. Oh yeah, yeah, float? yeah I've had something you like do that. I uh, yeah. used to have that. Well. There, there, there was a Julius, ice, yeah, yeah. there's an ice cream place in Jackson that closed. They used to have that, but when I get froyo, I get like the, the tart mixed with uh, one of the sherbets, and hmm. it's usually pretty good. Uh, but somebody asked me the other day, they're like, "Hunter, when's the last time you had a chip?" I was like, uh, "Yesterday." <laughs> I eat chips a lot. <laughs> like, I can't give a, a chips and uh and pizza are my are my weakness for sure.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, have some ice cream. You know what? I'm I'm going to give Meredith some props here. She posted something a number of months ago about uh, these sort of scenarios. And man, it was just, it was a beautiful picture. I don't know if she robbed it from somebody, but I want ice cream. So I don't eat that. So I have two Oreos and milk instead. And then I really wanted ice cream. So the Oreos didn't do it. So then I go have A bag of pretzels well what I really wanted was ice cream so the pretzels didn't do it and then before you know it you're like five or six things down the road if you had just had a little bit of uh, ice cream a little bit of sherbet, you could have avoided all this stuff right
1: yeah just keep it in moderation like don't eat a whole pint or a whole gallon Uh, just eat eat a little bit of it and I think that that's the the recipe for um, for sticking with something for a long period of time is uh, everything in moderation making sure you just don't overdo it and you can you can have a lifetime of a healthy life uh, by just eating what you want just eating a little bit every now and then don't just eat it every single day so so to answer the question, a gallon, is that
3: what we're going with? Yeah. A gallon of ice cream, too much ice cream? <laughs> That's too much ice cream, yeah. yeah I would I, say, it, yeah. If it's just
0: one person consuming it, now obviously. Don't
3: eat a gallon of ice cream at one time. Yeah. We should recommend.
0: sneak this in here, too, especially since it's uh, summertime for us, summertime in the South. Um, we, we've we put ice cream in this conversation, but alcohol would be another great thing to discuss kind of along these lines. I mean, we've we've discussed how, how dangerous it is for your fitness journey, especially if you're wanting to be at the top of your game and all that. But the average person is going to go to the pool and have a drink or is he going to go to dinner on somebody's back patio and have a drink. How much is too much? Well, you just got to, you got to be aware of your, your intake and uh, maybe you going back for the second, especially if you're in the middle of training. I know you guys did a lot of talking before Murph this year. Like, hey, we're on a holiday weekend, it's notorious for a lot of drinking. Uh, you guys didn't want people doing a CrossFit Games pass out on the railroad on the railroad <laughs> <Yeah>. track <laughs> yeah. back into the gym. Like, we do not want that scenario, so be aware. You know, and it was kind of it was kind of posed as you need to you really need to pick one or the other. I
2: know?
1: think that alcohol in a lot of cases is just more about the social uh, aspect of being at a party and everybody else is drinking and you wanna have something in your hand and some one thing i've heard some people say is hey, I just got water and put, or soda water and put a lemon in it and I carried it around and I just felt like I was drinking with everybody else because I had a drink in my glass and it looked like I was drinking. And that's one of the hardest things about being at a party is if you're not drinking, somebody's like, why aren't you drinking? What's wrong with you? <laughs> What's wrong? you know? Or they it, think
2: like you're better than us because yeah. you're worried about your fitness. It's yeah. like, oh, you're a CrossFitter. Like yeah. you're going to work out what do you tomorrow on, Saturday? on Monday? Yeah. 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 Right. And right. so you don't <laughs> want to feel superior. So it's almost, yeah, you feel guilty.
1: And I think a lot of times that, if you do that, that'll help out. But I mean, and if you do want to drink, go for it. That's fine. Just be aware, you know, having having 12 beers in a day is probably not the best idea uh, for your health and fitness and be being aware that whatever you do is, is going to have, you know, consequences and, and, and all that. But um, I don't think it's, you can say a definitive answer for any one person. I think every, every situation is different and every person is different, um, but you just have to realize like there's a give and take when it comes to alcohol as well. And if you can limit your alcohol intake, you know, we talk about all the time about how if you're drinking all the time, that's going to sabotage your, your, especially your body composition um, and your weight loss and all that type of stuff. But if you can cut it back to maybe, maybe just one night a week, uh, then that's going to make a huge uh, impact on your, on your health and fitness over the long period of time. Yeah, Alcohol.
2: Well, I was going to say alcohol, like, you know, your cheap meal, You just have to decide ahead of time what your goal is. And, and if you're really clear on that beforehand, then that can help you with your decision. If you've got goals that contradict with what you're doing, then that's when you can start to make some progress, right? Is when you realize like, okay, these two things contradict themselves. If you say I'm good at this body fat percentage, generally this performance, whatever it is, then keep doing what you're doing at the time you're doing it. But if you want to say, man, I'm really having trouble, you know, with my pull-ups, I'm not able to do a pull-up, I'm carrying around a little bit of extra weight, whatever it is, you just realizing, hey, it could be that, you know, drinking just a little bit every night is probably hindering that. Because like what Hunter's talked about a lot, alcohol for me personally has more to do with sleep than, I re- than really anything. I think I just don't sleep well. And so for me, it's just not worth it because I'm not gonna get rest, especially on the weekend when I'm wanting to recharge and get ready for another week. If I spend the weekend and miss the one night where I'm getting good rest because I was drinking and I'm, you know, I'm waking right. up throughout the night, then all of a sudden the weekend's gone and then you've got two weeks back to back and then it just starts to drag on. So that's motivating for me, but for a lot of people, it's just be honest with yourself about what your goals are. If you really do have a goal that's body composition based or weight loss based, then you've got to ask yourself, am I willing to give, give this up to achieve that goal?
3: And um, you were talking about, you know, alcohol and sleep. Some people might think they sleep better when they, uh, when they drink, but, uh, you know, I, I guarantee you nobody, like even if you get to the point where you're just a, where you're just a little buzz, nobody does that and then wakes up the next day like, Oh man, I'm ready to go. Ready man, to go what a baby. great night yeah. of sleep. Even if you weren't getting up and, you know, going to the bathroom a couple of nights a week, I, like you, and you got, even if you got like
1: eight hours of, quote, sleep, mm-hmm. you're still going to wake up dragging. Yeah. Well, he talked about that in the book, while we sleep, which I read and I recommended before. And he talked about the sleep that you're getting when you, when you're, uh, after you've drank is not restorative sleep. You're not getting the REM sleep. That's going to restore and help you recover. You're just basically like literally passed out, like your body's just shut off, but it's not restoring yourself, which is the, which are the benefits of sleep. So you might be Unconscious for eight hours, but you're not actually getting the restorative effects of sleep during that time And so if you're drinking every single night, then you're not ever getting the full benefits of restorative sleep You're not getting the full sleep cycles um, Which are going to help you uh, your muscles recover help your your mind recover and over a long period of time that can be detrimental to your health uh, I think one thing we wanted to talk about before we we wrap up this part of the episode was uh, So say you did the beach body challenge six weeks is over What you know whether you're happy with how you did or not? what are the next steps uh for you going forward what should you do um for the rest of the year um and i i would say you know we will be we are working on a diet coaching program uh for people uh that we're going to be rolling out later on this year so if you do enjoy be working with somebody uh on your diet um and getting them to help you and and hold you accountable and i think what we see more than anything it's People know what to do. It's just the, somebody to hold them accountable and check in with them and make sure they're following and make sure they're being honest with themselves. But so we are working on that. But what other steps would you guys uh, offer to people who are uh, who have done the challenge or maybe they didn't do the challenge but they're intrigued? What What are the next steps for them going forward?
3: I think um, the first thing that I would do is a lot of uh, is a lot of reflection and you know try to you know try to ask yourself you know like okay did I did I create sustainable goals or did I just tough it out for for six weeks? And if you did create sustainable goals, then, you know, carry it on. And let's uh, let's see what the 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 uh, next uh, six weeks has in store for you, and then let's reevaluate then. And, you know, if you feel like, you know, you just kind of put a lot of things in your life on hold, just to do this six week challenge and see what, and see just how big of a difference that you can make, you know, okay, now we're got to get back to reality. Now we need to see what can really be sustained. What, uh, out of these habits, what can I stick to? And then what are the ones that I need to, you know, uh, be okay with making slower progress on?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think for me, it's, Again, being honest with yourself. Trying sitting down, and one of the things that kind of snuck up on people, I think, during the challenge was at the top of each page, there was a there was a sentence that said, "I will be successful this week because," or maybe that was at the bottom, but it was just asking people, and then asking them, "What are three... I don't. How was it worded? The the three uh, three reasons. reasons I'll be successful. Three I'll be reasons successful. I'll be successful this week. And people's answers. Um, you know, some were just you know being funny. A lot of people though. As the weeks went on, the answers got a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper and a little bit mm. deeper. So what I would encourage people to do is say, why do I want X? Yeah, And then to write it down and then say, why do I why want that answer? Why is that important? And then I write down, why do I want that answer? And if you can go and with our nutrition coaching as we're kind of getting ready and, and, and studying this, one of the things they teach us is that we're gonna do with our clients is go to five levels of why. Within that, if we can get there, then we're really going to hit on the thing that gives you that um, that motivation that's going to be long term and that's lasting. If it's just I want to I want to look better at the pool, everyone wants to look better at the pool. Very few people are doing the things that they need to do. So it's that, and then just realizing again, it's very simple things. It's not an all or nothing. It is. It can be the smallest change. It can be something that you didn't even think was related to nutrition, like your sleep or your water intake, things that you didn't really think about okay. that can make a huge difference. So not feeling like this is going to be this drastic life change. It can be a very small change, and you can see a lot of mm-hmm. the, result, the exact results that you want.
3: I, I know I've said it a couple of times on the show, but I'll say it again. You know, If your first reaction is, to, is an emotional one to just get all... All pumped up and very and you know very you know m- motivated so to speak. Then, you know, you need to you need to really take a deeper look and say you know okay is this you know is this motivation going to carry me through six weeks? Because at the end of the day, it's an emotion and it'll probably be gone by the time you get out of the parking lot. You have to if you cannot establish a true why, then you know it's not going to carry you. There has to be something deeper below the below the surface that's going to allow you to make big life changes.
1: That's really great advice, uh, both of you guys. Uh, What I would say is I would first take a look back at what went went well and what didn't go so well. Which habits were you able to do uh, easily or acquire and which habits did you struggle with and then get a game plan going forward uh, to start implementing more of the habits. So I would say, okay. It looks like I think I've developed a habit of tracking my food every six weeks. I've got that down. It's really easy for me to put my food in my Fitness Pal after every meal. That's great. I had trouble with the uh, the sleep aspect though, and I had trouble getting my water in. So okay, let's say let's take one of those and spend the next six weeks just really focusing on that. Make sure you keep the habits that you've already developed, but try to acquire one new habit for the next six weeks. It, it, maybe it was too hard to add all these habits all at once. So let's break it down into one at a time. Because remember, we're playing the long game here. We're, there's there's eight, uh, eight six-week periods a year, and then there's however many more in your whole life. So if we can do one habit every six weeks, you know that's gonna add up to a lot of progress over time. So let's say, okay, for the next six weeks, I'm gonna focus on getting eight hours of sleep every single night. I'm just gonna really hone that in, and I'm gonna continue tracking my food because that's become a habit now. Okay, so we'll look back in six weeks. Man, I'm getting my sleep every single night and I'm still tracking my food. Okay, let me start tracking my water. Let me make sure I'm getting 100 ounces of water every single day. Same thing. Do that for six weeks. And you start acquiring these habits one by one over a period of time and not trying to do it all at once. If you can't do it all at once, break it out, make it, you know, take one, one bite sized chunk out of it at a time. Look back in a year from now, you might have acquired six new habits that are going to completely transform your health and fitness. So I would look at it that way. Um, and then, obviously, please—if you need help, come and talk to a coach. We'd love to sit down and, and help and see how we can help you um, figure out uh, the holes, give you an overview of everything you got going on, and see see what's going on with you that that can uh, that can take you to the next level.
2: Here's my uh, last thought on that, and one of the biggest thing I think my biggest takeaway that kind of hit home for me in watching the people that had success was. Not only is it important to verbalize these things and maybe talk about it at the gym, but your home environment, having the uh, the openness to share your goals and the whys with the people around you because they control your environment as much as anything. So, you know, being able to, we had a family, they go get donuts on the way to church on Sunday morning. and mom's doing beach body challenge. Everybody goes in to get donuts. She had to sit in the car for the first couple of weeks because it was it, their, their habit was directly contradicting her goal. And so it took a couple of weeks, but after a little while it was, you know, Hey, this is real important to me. Is there a way that we can maybe make this work to where you guys can still do your things and have your goals and I can have mine. And it's not as challenging. And it was like, you know what, we respect what you're doing enough. And they just kind of shifted their, shifted their habit and culture to be able to be more accommodating to her. And that was able to, that was able to eliminate one decision that, you know, she regretted every single week. There's a lot of examples like that, but setting up your home environment and asking those around you to, to help you can be one of the biggest keys to to staying strong through, you know, the early stages where you're building habits. So I would say getting the environment to where you're not walking into a challenge every single day. You're not constantly having to say no, 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 but you set yourself up to where easy decisions are are right in front of you.
0: Incredible discussion, guys. I think it's uh, hopefully going to be very helpful for people who are either on the fence about going into this sort of challenge or uh, excited about how it went for them. So a- excellent discussion. So we need to kind of fast forward a little bit to our recommends. Uh, Hunter's got a I don't know, seventy-seven week streak here on the on the recommends. You got something you're pretty excited about? You revisited that you like to recommend for our listening audience.
1: Yeah. So this week I'm going to recommend the TV show The Wire on HBO. It's an older show. I watched it uh, right after college about ten years ago, and I uh, loved it back then. And then I rewatched it uh, here recently with, uh, with my fiancee, Claire. And it was, it was even better the second time. I love the show. It, it's just, it, it's incredible. It's one of the best shows ever made. It's slow moving, but you really, it's about character development and it's about the city of Baltimore as a whole. And in the, each, each season they examine a different part. So the first season they examine like the drug trade and the cops second season, it's the, uh, the docs and then schools and, um, uh, the Political machine, and then uh, the newspapers, and the, so they go in depth and they examine each part of the city and and how it uh, struggles and why it's not, you know, why the problems that they're having and why things don't why things don't run as they should. And all along, you're just getting more and more attached to these characters, and it's it's just so real, and the dialogue is so great, and um, you just get you just feel like you're there, and you feel like you know the city by the end of it. Even though I've never been to Baltimore, I, I feel like I know the city so well, but. It is truly one of the best shows ever, and if you like a, a show that's about you know character development, uh, plot, dialogue-driven show um, that you might have to be a little bit more patient with and wait for some, some incredible moments in the show, but it's not just like overwhelming with action, then you're gonna love this show. Um, so I'd highly, highly recommend The Wire if you're, if you're into good TV because it's, it's one of the best.
0: Unique part of it, so I've heard. I haven't watched it yet. Is that you're you're not really there's not a lot of new events. You're just looking at these same events from really different perspectives. That Uh, no, it
1: goes each each the the timeline progresses through the show. Um, In the first season, there is some really old technology, which is hard to kind of get past at first. Like this, they don't even have computers at some part of the police station. Um, and the wire, the whole wiretapping thing is just so uh, prim- primitive for, by today's standards because the show came out in like 2003, the first episode. But it's just each they keep keep the main characters that stick with the, the police people mostly throughout the whole show. But each season takes more of a, a examination of a different part of the of this of the city. So they go, like I said, like season three is like a deep look into the schools um, season four, or maybe that's season four. And then season five is like straight into the newspapers. So there's, they're continue along with their main big story, but they're also like looking at specific parts of the city as well. So it's, uh, it's definitely different than a lot of shows. Uh, but it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's great. So you would say, um, you know,
0: if you're on that, that post game of Thrones rebound relationship, yeah, you know, the wire is worth dating.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's up there with, like, uh, the Sopranos, Mad Men, uh, Breaking Bad, uh, Game of Thrones, you know, one of the best shows ever. So, if you like those shows, you're going to like The Wire.
0: Well, I've got a quick recommend. I know we need to wrap this episode, episode up, but I'm going to recommend following Caleb on Instagram. Oh, wow. Wow, what an honor. For me. It's just, you know, such such a sage, so wise. So, uh, <laughs>
2: What's his
0: username? Uh, I don't know seven. C Foxworth 7 yeah I knew there was a
2: number in there 7
1: real easy to remember there C Foxworth C
2: Foxworth yeah
1: 7 yeah you should change it, it to the Caleb Foxworth no they
2: got no they got
0: easy easy that's my Instagram I should change mine to the Caleb Foxworth we should there. all be the <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thanks for sticking with us through this episode, guys. As always, we want to wrap it up by saying if you enjoy the content, please share it with someone that matters to you. Like, rate, and share. will be excellent for us. We're looking to get the word out so that we can help people on their fitness journey. So until then, we'll see you next time.